Well, hey, welcome everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us this weekend. I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Uh, Got to give a shout out to all the dads, all the fellows here joining us this weekend. We're so grateful uh, for your presence in our community. We want to wish you a happy Father's Day, honor you, and, and just celebrate you this weekend. I got to give a shout out uh, to my dad. Uh, here's a picture of, of my pops and I. Dad, I love you. Thank you for everything. He introduced me to everything good in life. Sports, uh, Chris Farley, you too, and Jesus, of course. So uh, I'm grateful for you, Dad. Thank you. Uh, but hey, I want to start off having a little fun. Um, I want to look at some of the greatest dads of all time. The goats of dads. TV dads, that is. So I'm going to pit some of them against each other. And I want you to just let me know who you're taking. All right, head-to-head battle. Here we go. Starting off, throwing it back. Andy Taylor from Andy Griffith versus Ward Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver. Who you got? Let me know. Ward. Strong Ward out there. All right, all right. I feel you. I feel you. All right, who we got next? Okay, Ray Barone. Tim the tool man. Who are you taking? Wow. Strong tool man vibes out here. Uh, All right. What's next? Okay. We got Danny Tanner, Full House, or Carl Winslow, Family Matters. Carl, Carl, Danny, Danny, Carl. Carl, Carl really showed us what patience looks like, the fruit of the spirit, patience, dealing with Urkel. So I, I, I say we got to give it, give it him. Hey, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, a little newer, a little newer. We got Phil Dunphy, Modern Family, and uh, Jack Pearson. This is us. Dude, Jack Pearson, man. Come on. That's Stash, though? All right. All right. Next up, throwing it back, we got Frank Costanza versus Uncle Phil. Who you got? Gotta go, Uncle Phil, man. Gotta go. All right. Last one. Last one. We got we got Red Foreman, Homer Simpson. All right. Maybe, maybe not like, you know, you know, set an example, dads, but you know, iconic dads. You gotta go red. All right. A Wisconsin favorite. We gotta go red on that. But hey, we we've been in this series called GOAT. Not talking about MJ or Tiger or TV dads, but talking about the greatest scripture of all time. Psalm. 23, one of the greatest chapters, one of the greatest texts of scripture of all time. And each week, we've been reading this to begin our service. So I want to just invite you to just read this with me on the count of three. Let's all read it together. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a, good, what a good passage of scripture. Psalm 23. This week, I want us to focus on verse 3, which says, He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I like how the ESV says it. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Or how Eugene Peterson translates it in the message, He lets me catch my breath. And then he sends me in the right direction. I love that. And I love how Ben, these last couple weeks, has touched on how we as as people, really as, as sheep, we need a shepherd. We need a good shepherd to lead us and guide us. Because at the end of the day, we're beautiful, amazing, incredible, foolish sheep. 
And we need a good shepherd to protect us, to watch over us, and to guide us. And I believe that woven within this this short verse, verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I believe that within this sentence are three invitations from God, from the good shepherd himself. And so I just want to jump through these uh, with you this morning. The first one says uh, that I think there is, is an invitation to relationship. There's an invitation to relationship. We see this in the part of that verse that says, he leads me. God is inviting us to a relationship. And this is not a threatening command, but rather a gentle beckoning invitation to an intimate relationship with him. This isn't like leading a prisoner to their cell. This would be like a safari tour guide taking you on the craziest adventure, showing you everything you want to see. This is a joyous leading accompanied by an expectant follower. So many of us, when we think God uh, of God as ruler or, or leader in our lives, uh, that God as wanting to lead us and, 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 and take us in the right direction. We confuse the phrase shot caller with shock caller. We, we think when God says, hey, I want to be the shot caller of your life. I, I want to call the shots. I want to I lead you. We think what he's really saying is shock caller. We think that, that God as, as leader wants to be a shock caller. This term Shot caller uh, was originated, it's originally a military term that would be used for, for a good marksman who, who could set the target for everybody else. So they would be able to, to call their shot. If they were skilled enough, they could, they could call their shot. Think of Babe Ruth or, or, or the great Hambino, right, calling their, calling their iconic home run, right? This is a marksman calling their shot. So I wanted to, to test this out, so I brought my, my uh, trusty pistol here. Brought this bad boy, my Nerf gun, and uh, we're going to test this out. I'm going to practice my marksman skills. Call my shot, all right? I'm calling my shot, Pewaukee, okay? That's where we're going sideways because I'm gangster like that. And oh, nice. Oh, all right, not quite, not quite. Hey, I need a good marksman, all right? I need a good person to set the target and to lead me and say, hey, this is where we're going, right? We need this, this, this guide. And it's not like this uh, commanding or, or demanding an overbearing ruler. God is, is setting the target. He's saying, hey, follow me. Hey, I, I know the place to go. I know the right direction. But we confuse shot collar with shot collar. And if I brought a Nerf gun, you know I had to bring out the shot caller. So we think so often, this is off, right? We're good? We're just thinking, okay, all right, thanks. Uh, We think that when God's like, hey, let me call the shots. I'm going to lead. You follow me. We think, so many of us, we confuse that with a shot caller to our lives. And we think that, that God wants to... Put this on, and, and, and we've got actual parameters here, right? i got to stay in the shot for our fam over at Pewaukee. So if I go past this boundary, i got to stay, right, hovering on, and I can't go past it, or else, right? It was like, ah, no, I'm just playing. Nothing up, but i got this boundary over here, too, and we think that a relationship with Jesus is just a shock collar, that, that, that God is just waiting for us to slip. He's just waiting for us to cross the boundary. He's just waiting for us to veer off the path so that he can zap us, so that he can just strike us down, so that he could shame us or, or punish us or yell at us. But let me encourage you with this. Jesus is not waiting for you to fail. He wants to walk beside you 
because you will fail. Jesus is not standing, hovering over you with the control in his hand, waiting to zap you when you make a mistake. He's saying, no, 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 I, I want to walk beside you because you are going to fail. You are going to mess up. I, I, I'm not going to leave you in that. I want to I walk alongside you. He's inviting us to a relationship. And he's saying, hey, just trust me. Follow me. I, I know the way. I have the right path set for you. I have plans for you. I know your heart. I have your best intentions in mind. Right? I'm going to take care of you. I'll guide you. I'll take you on the right path if you'll just follow me. If you'll enter into relationship with me. And unfortunately, so many of us, we confuse shock collar with shock collar. Or we confuse religion and relationship. You see, religion says do this, got to do that, got to meet this criteria, got to be this good. Relationship says, hey, just, just step into this with me. Let me walk alongside you. We'll figure it out as we go, right? I want to show you the right path. I want to get you there, but it starts with a relationship. And, and for a second, if I could just speak to those of us who, who maybe you have a hard time viewing God as a good shepherd or a good father, and maybe that's because of your own relationship with your parents or, or your father or, or lack thereof. And, and, and so maybe it, it, it's easy for you to sometimes just project those feelings onto God. And, and I, I get that. And, 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 and so often, right, we project that. And, and, and if you have that relationship, it's hard for you to see God as this, as this loving, caring, caring shepherd when he says, hey, I'm a good father. But let me encourage you that you have a heavenly father who is wild about you. He's crazy in love with you. He, he thinks you're incredible. And I know that that may not fill the, the physical void, but he's there and he cares about you. And every time you do something, he's cheering you on. He's encouraging you. He's saying, hey, great job. I'm so proud of you. And every time you slip and, and maybe you go past the boundary or you go off the path or you go on the wrong path, he's not there to reprimand you or to shame you. He's there to say, hey, hey, buddy, hey, sweetheart, let me, let, me, let, me, let me lead you in the right way. It's going to be okay. He's inviting us to a relationship. The second invitation uh, is an invitation to righteousness. An invitation to righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in the right paths, right? And this word righteousness sounds like just a big churchy word, right? Righteousness. It's, it's nice and, and churchy, but really what it's getting at is, is right paths, the right things, going in the right direction, doing the right things, honoring God, living a life that is, that is, that is right, rec that recognizes what God has set. And it's saying, hey, I'm going to go this way according, living in accordance to what God has set. And as we've been talking about these goats, the greatest of all time, athletes and singers and actors, all these incredible, legendary, iconic people. I started thinking about people who, who fell short of that, what I would call would have been goats, right? We, we all can think of somebody, whether it's a, a, a celebrity, a pop star, or an athlete, who, who they were on the cusp of greatness. And we never really got to see 
what they could do. We never really got to see their full potential, whether it was something that they did or, or things done to them. We, we missed out and, and we didn't get to witness all that they could do. The, the, the would have been goats. There's this kid from my, from my hometown and he was a few years older than me and he played football at one of the local high schools and this dude was insane. I mean, every Friday night after the games, on the news, they'd be showing his highlights, whether an interception, break free for a touchdown, 100-yard kick return. It was crazy. The guy was unbelievable. He led his team senior year to a 13-0 record. Uh, They ended up winning the conference championship for their division. He won San Diego Player of the Year, and he ended up winning the Hall Trophy Award, which is the U.S. Army Player of the Year. Pete Carroll, the the head coach now of the Seattle Seahawks, when when this kid was a freshman, Pete Carroll, while at USC, was recruiting him, was trying to get this 14, 15-year-old kid to come play. He was that good. Lane Kiffin, Coach Kiffin, referred to him as the next Reggie Bush. He said, this guy's going to be the next Reggie Bush at USC. He ended up committing on scholarship to go play at USC, but failed drug test violations past curfew, accusations of receiving benefits. He ended up transferring to San Diego State, still D1 after fights with teammates, some more mistakes, hanging out with the wrong crowd. He, he wound up playing D2 at, at, a, at a school in Kansas, which is still awesome, still incredible, but it wasn't where he was. It wasn't the potential that, that he had. He had USC NFL potential. But Coach Carroll... A few years later, now coaching the Seattle Seahawks, gave this kid a call. He, he never made the NFL. He never became this big star. You've never heard of him. You've never seen him play on Sundays. But Coach Carroll called him and invited him to join the practice squad. He said, hey, I, I want you to come join the practice squad. We'll give you a shot. Because Coach Carroll, right, he recognized the mistakes that, that were made and the things that, that happened. But he didn't see him for what he did. He saw him for who he was. And he saw him for what what he could be. And he gave him a shot. And it reminds me so much of the author of this psalm, King David, who wrote Psalm 23. Maybe you've heard uh, of King David, the little shepherd boy who defeated Goliath. Maybe you've seen the VeggieTales documentary on that. But he, he defeats this guy, this, this giant. And, and then he's, he's this gifted poet, and he's so, so good at crafting these songs and these words. And the man can really just slap the harp, man. I mean, he's a good harp player. Like, who's still playing the harp these days? Let's make that cool, right? Can we bring the harp back? Like, when was the last time somebody was like, hey, that new Taylor Swift song, that harp solo goes crazy, bro. Like, you're not hearing that, all right? Like, hey, check out my harp music on Spotify. It's awesome. Like, no one's saying that. Let's make the harp cool, all right? That's all I'm trying to say. So, so David, right, he's got these incredible feats, but he's also got these brutal failures. Whether it's the poor leading of his two sons, Absalom and Amnon, where one of them ends up killing the other, or... Maybe it's a famous story that maybe some of you guys know between him and his friend Uriah when he takes advantage of his wife Bathsheba. David's been there. David's been here. David knows what it means to go down the right paths, to be walking so closely with God. And he knows what it means to go down the wrong ones, to feel so distant, to feel so shamed to feel so afraid, to, f- to feel so dark. He, he, he knows 
what the path looks like. He knows the right one and he knows the wrong one. But before and after these brutal mistakes, David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. That's the highest compliment. And he's called that before and after. Why? Not to excuse anything that David did by any means, but to show that righteousness is not something we earn on our own accord. It's not something that we can get based on what we do. Righteousness is a gift from God, freely offered to us. It's not something we can earn. We have this gift offered through Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said the greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit which makes men look to themselves for salvation. I love how Romans 5 says it, starting in verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. It's comparing Adam in the garden who, who led us, right? We're all sinners through that moment. But Jesus changed that. The new Adam gives us a new opportunity, right? It says, for as by the one man's, Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's us. So by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, come on, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let me encourage you with this. If you feel like you've made irredeemable mistakes, if you feel like you have headed down the right path, if you feel like you have gone past the boundary that you were supposed to, if you feel like you're on the right path, but you're just hanging on the side of the cliff, begging God for redemption, let me encourage you that that righteousness is not something you have to to, to be burdened down to earn. The grace and love of Jesus is freely offered to you. Right paths is not a place that you'll get to with your own strength and your own good deeds. Right paths is a place that the good shepherd wants to take you. It's where he's leading us. It's where he's taking us. Yes, we need to get on the right path. Yes, we need to follow him. Yes, we need to be obedient. But he said, hey, righteousness, I I, I did it for you. I want to give it. To you, will you follow me? Righteousness can be yours. See, he's not just the shepherd of your good days. He's the shepherd of your bad days. He's not just the shepherd on the green pastures. He's the shepherd when you're in the valley. He's not just the shepherd when you're on the good path. He's the shepherd when you've fallen off. He's not just the good shepherd of the 99. He's the good shepherd of the lost and wandering one. He is our good shepherd. God's grace is not based on what you do, but what he's already done for you. So may righteousness, may it be something that we receive. May it be something that we we step into. May it be be something that we strive for, but not as as a tiring goal, but as a response to his love. Let right paths be a place that he lovingly leads us.
final part of this text says, for his name's sake. And, and I believe that this is an invitation to release. An invitation to release. Here, here's why I think this is an invitation to release. Because if it's for his name's sake, it's for him, then we can release the notion that it's for ours. We, we can let that go. So what, what does this do? This, this one, it takes the glory and worship off of ourselves and it, and it places it, it gives it back to God where it belongs. And two, it takes the pressure off of us because God says, hey, hey, it's for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stamp my name on that thing afterwards, right? My name's going on it. So you don't have to stress and worry about being perfect or, or figuring it out. You can let go. You can worship me freely. You can take that pressure off. I love how Matt Chandler says it. He says, if it's about God's goodness, not my goodness, God's glory, not my glory. If it's about God's power, not my power, then in my frailty, in my weakness, he's still powerful. In my lack of faith, he's still faithful. This leads us to believe that the good shepherd is still leading us beside still waters, not because we deserve it, but because he's good. Not because I'm worthy, but because he is generous. It's about him. So it makes going on the right path not an act of, of, of resentful obedience, but it's an act of, of, of worshipful, joyful response to him, to his glory and his goodness. So may our, our response be worship and a life dedicated to him, knowing full well that us foolish sheep will veer off the path but the good shepherd is there to course correct us. So stop. Stop carrying what you're not called to carry. Let God be God. Let go. Release. Worship him. Let him take that pressure off. He says, hey, my burden, it's, it, it's light. I'll carry it. We've got these invites. We've got three invitations from God. It's our duty to, to respond, right? This last year, 2020, a wild year. I got, I got so many weird invitations. I got so many Zoom wedding invitations. Anybody get those? Anybody get a nice, a cool Zoom wedding? Hey, I'm all for it, all right? Not safe to fly. I'm all about it. But like, how do you respond? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I just text them? You know, like, eh, yeah, I might, you know, I might pop in, you know? I might make an appearance. I was confused. I was like, you know, did they send the cake to our house or how did we get it? I just didn't know. No one told us. So I was just kind of confused. You know, what do we do? How do we eat it? Do we eat it after we log off? Or, I didn't know. But we got these invitations, right? <laughs> we got these weird invitations, these unique invitations. We've got invitations from God. We've got an invitation in this text. We've got an invitation to relationship. We have an invitation to righteousness. We have an invitation to, to release. And, and the question for us is how do we respond? I, I want to give you three, three quick, real quick, just three responses maybe that we could implement in our lives so that we could lean into these invitations. The first is to remind, to remind yourself of these truths, to remind yourself of Psalm 23. We've been trying to encourage everybody every week in this series to, hey, hey, read Psalm 23 every day for the rest of this series. 
Whether, whether, you, whether you open your Bible in the morning, whether you just sit down at night, whether you got a, a break during the day, whatever it is, find some time to remind yourself of the truths in this text. We want to provide you with, with a little screenshot. You can get it in our, on our social media, on our website, and you'll be able to screenshot, and you can actually save it as your phone background so that you could just pop on there and, and read it. Psalm 23, it's all right there. And, and, and you, would, you don't even have to read the whole thing. It'll just be a little reminder. Every time you open your phone, like, oh, hey, he leads me. Oh, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, hey, he prepares a table for me. Oh, hey, in the darkest valley, he's with me. Right? Like, it's, 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 a, it's a great way to just remind us that he's for us, that he's with us, that we have these invitations, that we have a good shepherd. The, the second thing is, is rhythms. Rhythms. I'm reminded of, of MJ, Michael Jordan, the goat of basketball. No questions, no discussion about it. It's MJ, all right? But, but Michael Jordan had a rhythm, right? He started the trend for, for longer shorts in the NBA in the 90s. And part of it was he said that, you know, it gave you something to kind of hold on to when you were trying to catch your breath or, or hunch over. But it was also because underneath his Bulls uniform, Every single game, Michael Jordan was wearing his 1982 National Championship North Carolina Tar Heels shorts under his Bulls uniform. The, the, the game that he won in college, he was wearing those shorts under his Bulls uniform. That was his good luck charm. That was his rhythm, right? Maybe you remember the iconic scene from Space Jam where Bugs and Daffy, they got to go get those shorts so he can defeat the Monstars, right? It's a big deal, okay? He had a rhythm, I mean, along with an insane diet, workout plan, and all these other crazy schedules, MJ had a rhythm. Just like a team needs practice, just like a relationship needs date nights, like friends need get-togethers, like my wife needs Chick-fil-A every week, and like I need coffee every morning, right? We have rhythms. We have things that we do, whether we know it's right or, or we don't even think about it. We have rhythms. Some are good, some are bad, but maybe we need some rhythms, some disciplines, some practices that are going to allow us to lean into Jesus, to our good shepherd, so that we can learn more of who he is and thus understand more of who we are in him. We need rhythms so that we can learn the shepherd's voice. We need rhythms so that we can be in his presence. We need devoted time with God to center ourselves to build that relationship, to grow, not just knowing more of him, but actually becoming more like him so it surfaces itself in our lives and floods out to the people we encounter. And lastly, rest. It'd be foolish of me to not mention Ben's message from last week. If you miss it, you can, you can watch it on our website. But it's all about rest. I mean, the beginning of Psalm 23, verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But how that starts is he restores my soul. Doesn't it change the meaning of that verse? Just a little. It adds a little more. Ready, ready? He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. The whole text is about a shepherd fighting for, protecting, taking care of, leading, and, and guiding his sheep to rest. Granting his sheep peace. That's what it's all about. You see, rest, what it does is it, is it teaches us to trust God. Right, because if we're practicing a Sabbath right, as the Bible says, or a day off or, or time off, what it's doing is it's challenging us to believe that it, it's not about our own strength, it's not about our own power, it's about God's. 
and allows us to believe, hopefully, that, hey, I don't have to worry because God's working. I can take some time off. I can, I can maybe leave something on my to-do list today. I can, I can maybe take a day off. I can maybe forget to do that thing. I could, I could breathe a little easier knowing that, hey, God's got this. Not in a, not in a you know, I'm going to take a day off and, and be lazy, not to be a bad worker at all, right? Work hard, but believe that, hey, it's not about our own strength. It's not on our own accord, but it's by God. And we rest in that. This challenges us to believe and fight the raging current of our culture that says you need more hours. You got to clock in more time. You can never take a day off. You're climbing the ladder. It's all about you. But rest, rest allows us to lean into the presence of God. It allows us to lean into this relationship, to wisely and joyfully follow his leading, to trust fall into the shepherd's arms and believe that that rest gives glory to God that takes the pressure the plague of productivity and the purpose off of our doing and onto God's goodness so let him lead you let him lead you whether you're on the right path continue to let him lead you Whether you feel like you're just hanging on, let him lead you. Whether you're on the wrong path, let him lead you. Whatever voices you're listening to, not yourself, not culture, not other people, let him lead you. And I promise you, he'll take you the right way. I promise you, he'll lead you in paths of righteousness. You'll find joy, you'll find peace, you'll find strength, you'll find community in following him. I want to close with Psalm 23. I want to read it again, but I want to read Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of of Psalm 23. I love how he rephrases it. He says this. He says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. You're true to your word. You let me catch my breath. And you send me in the right direction. Even when the, ga- even when the way goes through, the, through, through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook, it makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup, it brims with blessing. Your beauty and your love, the good shepherd, God, Jesus, he chases after me. He chases after you. Every day of my life, I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Let this be our prayer and anthem for our lives. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we, we thank you for how good you are. God, we don't deserve it. Matter of fact, yeah, we're, we're not even worth it. But you, as a good shepherd, says, hey, you don't have to be. 
And we thank you for that. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for righteousness. We thank you that you, creator of the universe, God Almighty wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with each of us. God, it blows my mind. And so God, may our response be a life full of worship. May it be a life full of of pressure-free, loving and following you. And God, if there's anybody here today whether they're in person, whether they're, they're hanging out with us online, God, I just pray that, 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 that you'd speak to them. If, they, if they've gone off the right path, God, I pray that you would, would give a gentle whisper, a gentle tug, a loving course correction in their lives. God, would they know that even on that path, that you're still there for them, that you're still with them, that even in the darkest valley, God, we will fear no evil, for you are with me. God, we thank you for your invitations. I pray that you'll stir something in us that'll respond to these truths. God, would we believe that you're knocking on the door of our lives? Would we answer? Would we not leave you on red? Would we answer the call? step in to relationship with you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name. Amen.